the 910 Comedy Podcast Network. On this week's episode of Hometown Crowd, Scott from the Benchwarmers Trivia Podcast joins us to talk about a blockbuster trade in the NBA, the Jackie Robinson of hockey finally gets his recognition, and Cleveland sends their superstar shortstop to New York. Then we'll talk the college football championship, a truly wild wild card weekend, and make our quick picks for the NFL playoffs. Get on your feet, you're cheering with the Hometown Crowd. Hello and welcome to episode 61 of Hometown Crowd, your source for sports news across the country and in our backyards of Fayetteville, North Carolina. I'm one of your hosts, Tim Dipple. Hey everybody, it's Mac. Oh, I see you went with English this yeah. time. Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, and uh, I am Heather, who's using her beer money now on Scratchers, and I've won $10 so far, so I guess you can say it's going pretty great. Lewis. <laughs> <laughs> be sure to follow us on all social media at hometown crowd on facebook twitter and instagram you can also email us at hometowncrowdpod at gmail.com and joining us tonight is a special guest from the bench warmers trivia podcast it's scott grimes scott welcome to the show why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself eventually Absolutely. we'll get a soundboard for you scott so next time you come on we'll hit the air horns all right mm-hmm. Woo. wow vip i get it my second that's visit. right gotta- I got to wait. I'm the first timer. Uh, no, thanks a lot for having me on, guys. This is uh, this is a pleasure. It's going to be a lot of fun. We had a, a lot of fun a few months ago on, on our show, so I'm, I'm always happy to return the favor. Uh, like Tim said, my name is Scott Grimes. I live in the capital, Albany, New York, greatest capital in the in the country. I don't know what you're talking about. And uh, <laughs> uh, I, uh, me and seven other guys uh, do a boy band uh, podcast called the Pet Formers Trivia Podcast. Oh, wait, no, sorry. It's a sports podcast. Oh, oh. Is that why we did really bad last time? It's because our boy band knowledge is that poor? Yeah, okay, this. well, okay. Yeah, first of all, that. first of all, y'all's boy band knowledge is bad. Okay, don't don't come at me, oh, all right? Oh, I, was I, in, I was in middle school in the mid-90s, okay? I am up to date on I my did, boy band. I didn't realize your thirst traps were 98 degrees when you were oh, in eighth grade, Heather. Oh, no. No, ew, ew, no. Uh, that Nicholas oh. Shea's a national treasure. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> Cincinnati's own. That's right. Well, uh, <laughs> apparently guys. No, I'm thank- Brian Littell from Backstreet Boys on Parlor. So that's. Oh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, I, I was always an AJ guy myself. But anyways. Um, yeah. No, yeah. Thanks, thanks for having me on, guys. This is, this is going to be a lot of fun. Let's get into it. Yes. Well, we do have a whole lot of news this week, so let's dive in so that we're not talking for four hours. Uh, Starting in the NBA, we're huge news today as the Brooklyn Nets, Houston Rockets, and Cleveland Cavaliers completed a blockbuster three-way trade that sends James Harden to Brooklyn. The Rockets then completed a second trade, bringing in Victor Oladipo from the Pacers. The pair of deals sees the Rockets getting Oladipo, Dante Exum, Rodion's Karuks, I'm Probably butchering that name. (laughs) Three unprotected Nets first rounders, four unprotected pick swaps with the Nets, and a 2022 first rounder from the Cavs. The Cavs get Jarrett Allen and Tareen Prince. The Pacers get Chris Levert or Carice Levert and a second rounder. Harris. Harris. I apologize. I'm bad with names. We have established this. 
Is it Lavert or Lavert? It's Lavert. It's okay. officially Lavert. Okay. Yes. Harris Lavert and the second rounder to the Pacers, and the Nets sell the farm to reunite James Harden and Kevin Durant. The news comes as Nets have continued issues with Kyrie Irving, who was seen this week at a party without his mask. Yeah. Okay. So for official business reasons, this wasn't rounded up in two trades. It was one official four-team trade. Oh, what was um, it? I, I saw that. Yeah. I did not see that part. Yeah, it, it, it got changed uh, for, honestly, for salary cap reasons. Um, okay. Now, the picks that the Nets will get are unprotected, which means that uh, there's no stipulations that can be added to it. So say the Nets end up in the lottery in 2022, that pick will be Houston's lottery pick. Um, the pick swaps are exactly how it sounds. Uh, Houston has the ability to swap pick swap picks with the Nets. So again, in you know 2021 or 2023, uh, if if Brooklyn ends up in the lottery and Houston's picking 26, Houston can just swap that pick and get the lottery pick instead, um, and that is unprotected as well. And that that's what makes this honestly, uh, you know, Scott. I, I want to hear what you have to say in a second, but it took years. It took almost 10 years for the Nets to get out of the salary cap hell from the 2013 uh, Garnett and Paul Pierce trade, where they sold the farm for those two, uh, and it didn't work out. Um, and now you literally have three unprotected first-round picks, four unprotected pick swaps to get James Harden for only a guaranteed two seasons because <laughs> that, that third season is a player option. Uh, granted, that player option is for $47 million, $366,760 for that season. Um, but if this thing blows up in the Nets' face, they can be in a uh, salary cap hell uh, with no picks to replace anything for another 10 years. But, uh, you know, I, I, I don't know if I would have went this hard in the paint. Scott, what are your thoughts? Well, I'm glad, Mac, that you mentioned the 2013 Paul Pierce, Kevin Garnett uh, debacle because <laughs> what's that saying? If you don't learn from your mistakes, you're doomed to repeat them. Yeah, I mean, Scott, but isn't this the, sh the fucking funny part is the fact that it was Sean Marks, Brooklyn's GM, yeah. is the guy who dug them out of that, said we're never doing it again, but he did it again. Again? Like, yeah. Brittany? Yeah. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> you know, You're and, welcome. And like There's you mentioned, Mac, too, it's 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 two years. I mean, possibly beyond, obviously, but do we even think it may last that long? Have I mean, egos on this team, the the I need the ball mentality of all three yeah. of their now alleged star players. You know, depending on when Kyrie decides he wants to play basketball again, but. I don't see how this is going to work. There's no defense. You have a coach that you just brought in who is known for passing the ball, one of the yeah. greatest passers in the history of the league, and you have guys that don't want to pass the ball. Now you have three of them. I, I don't understand how this is going to work. I get the move because why not strike while the iron's hot? Yeah. The East is wide open, and certainly this puts them in the driver's seat. But if this doesn't work out, like you said, they are screwed for yeah. a decade after this. I mean, and the thing is, is they parted with three of the young players that they drafted and and built or, you know, and and and, and brought up. Right. And like Levert, like he's a little older. You know, he's I mean, by older, I mean, he's 26. So he's older than like Prince and uh, Allen, who for me, 
Uh, I'd really like the Allen pickup as a Cavs fan. Like that is our center for the future right there. Because, you know, Drummond's not coming back next year. He's a free agent after this season. You know, he's, he's, you know, he, he, he's not going to fit in with that youth movement. So I'm totally okay with that. And, and Prince is a free agent after this season. So like, I, I'm totally okay with this move, right? But like, as far as the Nets go, like you, you sacrificed a lot of that bench depth, okay? And you are literally like next year, Scott. Uh, uh, he's gonna make forty-four million dollars, Harden. Forty-four mil, okay? Kevin Durant, forty million, almost forty-one. Kyrie Irving, almost thirty-five. So in those three, in those three players, right? you're already past the salary cap and you're pushing luxury tax. So when you have another 12 roster spots, you have to fill out like what? what? <laughs> I just don't get it because I, I, you know, I don't know, like I, I'm not a prognosticator, but I don't see the salary cap going up next year just because of the, the you know, the COVID related business issues, you know? Um, so like, where are they going to like, I, I don't know if the owner is going to be willing to pony up that kind of though. So like the Nets have a two year window where if they don't win it, this is a fucking waste. You know, <laughs> like it is a waste if they don't win it in the two years. Yeah, I couldn't um, agree more. So obviously the big winner here is the Rockets. No, obviously the big winner here is the Cavs. See, I would disagree. <laughs> I think it's the Pacers. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean, I mean, I don't know. Like, I, I, I can see it both because you got to think the Rockets just restocked all their cabinets. You know, their their entire cabinet there, right? And with Oladipo, you can do one of two things: you hope to re-sign him. Maybe Oladipo drops his asking price a bit because he is coming off that that like really devastating quad injury. All right, or they can move him by March at the trade deadline and probably get another first round pick. <laughs> uh, honestly, you know, so like they've got some flexibility there. Um. It's just I, I, that new GM in, in Houston, Scott, I, I don't know if you know his name, but I can't remember it. He has to strike on at least two of those picks. Well, th- well, that's what it comes down to, right? It's yeah. the, the, the pick swaps with the Nets. Let's assume the Nets are winning. Okay, that was, you're probably not going to end up swapping because Houston's going to be worse than the Nets. Yeah. The pick they got from the Cavs is actually via the Bucks. So that's yeah. not going to be a very high pick because the Bucks are going deep into the playoffs. So you really do have to hit. But we're talking about hitting on guys like in the 20s in the NBA draft, which isn't easy to do. It, it's really hard yeah. to find gems. You know, Most of those guys that go in the 20s wind up in the G League or overseas a lot of yeah. the time. So they really have to hit on that. And they really have to hope that Oladipo, John Wall, and DeMarcus Cousins, the three guys that they're most invested in, who all have histories of – very bad injuries. We're not talking where these guys have had minor injuries. They've all missed significant time yeah. over the past three seasons. Can somehow stay healthy and stay on the court enough for them to at least have a somewhat presentable team to show that brand new head coach that they just brought in. Like there's some hope here because yeah. right now, if something happens and these guys don't gel, they're in a situation where they have all these assets but they have nothing that's even close to a sure thing. Yeah, but I mean, that's the good thing, though. Say you have three first-round picks, you can probably package up three lower rounds to move up. Sure. You might not You might not hit lottery, or maybe you get into low lottery, you know, that that kind of uh, a realm. But, I mean, it's, it is Houston, though, right? This is a, this is a place players want to go. Uh, so, like, you clear all that salary cap, you know, and you see what pops up as far as these guys coming off rookie deals – uh, you know, some of these more established vets that are coming off the, you know, the, the, what is it? The one plus one is they're calling it now or the two plus one, 
you know, like see what you can get, uh, you know. And then the thing is, if you hit, if you grab one of those guys, uh, you know, you pack one year, you package a couple picks to move up, and then you know, you you do your pick swap, and like you said, maybe it's not that great, but who honestly, who fucking knows with that group of head cases in Brooklyn, sure. you know, um, you know, maybe you maybe you get one, but I, I really think out of all like the swaps and and the in those picks that are moving, he has to hit on two at least, like you. And and I don't mean like get the next superstar, you know, but you get, you got to have two guys that that are going to be there to maybe draw in a big name free agent to kind of, you know, bring it back, um, sure. you know. But I mean, it, it. I again, I think the Cavs are the biggest winner in this deal uh, because even I'm Cavs, giving up that first round pick. I mean, I know yeah, how much you hate that. Yeah, I mean, for the Cavs, I do hate it. Like they need all the depth in the world. But Jared Allen is going to be a great young center who's going to be able to grow with Garland and Sexton uh, and Chetty, right? Uh, you can move Nance to the three. He doesn't have to play four or five anymore, um, you know. And then let's see if anybody's going to, you know, be a, a willing trade participant for Love. And we can get a probably get at least a, you know, a mid first rounder for that. And I'd be okay with that shit. Like I, I would be okay with a mid first rounder for Love. So, I mean. Let's do this. You know, I mean, I, I mean, uh, Scott, you know, I, I did when, when Tim showed me the trade, I was like, a, a Cavs really giving up the first rounder, but like, we still have some assets we can move and getting Jared Allen kind of puts a balm on that berm a little, a little bit for me. So, uh, but yeah, I mean, that was kind of crazy though. I mean, I, I was not a, like, I knew he wanted out, but like he went into that, that press conference last night and talked shit about the Rockets DeMarcus Cousins gets interviewed uh, or Boogie gets interviewed this morning. Like, yeah, man, that was kind of fucked up. And then uh, James Harden traded by one o'clock. And I'm like, what? <laughs> what? what happened? <laughs> yeah, it was a whole bunch of news all at once. It was hard to keep up on because there were so many moving pieces of this, of this trade. Now, before we go on, though, uh, Scott hit it on the head. Is Kyrie coming back? That's a good question. Wasn't it uh, Stephen A. who said he should just go ahead and retire today? Yeah, it seems like yeah. he's lost any sort of passion that he's had, which I don't even – has he ever really had it? If you if you look back, I mean, uh, has, has he ever actually really seemed like he's cared at all? I'll tell you right now, Scott, the first four years in Cleveland. Like he wanted, he wanted so hard to be the man, and then LeBron came back, and then it was like I have to be better than LeBron. And then when LeBron got there, he's like, man, fuck all of you. I want out, you know, sure. <laughs> you know, I mean, that's about, that's about all I could see. But like, uh, he, he signs this big deal. Like he gets his, he gets the ticket out of, out of Boston. Right. And, and you get to go play with KD. Like, you know, it's going to be a year, but you get to go play with KD. Right. Which is always going to be a great thing because KD at 80% is still better than like 90% of the league. Um, but like, how is that not cool enough for you to want to play basketball? You know? And on top of that, you're like playing like you're not even second fiddle in New York anymore. You've got Knicks fans that are literally like, man, fuck the Knicks. I'm heading across the bridge. and I'm going to Brooklyn and I'm going to go watch at least somebody win a goddamn basketball game in the city. You know, like it, it, it's a team that's like it's not stodgy. It's not old. And, you know, it, 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 it's 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 trying to reach out and get younger, younger fans like there, there's so much going on, that, you know, with the Nets. And, and like that, that doesn't entice you to play ball. Like, I don't get it, man. There's just nothing's good enough for him. He yeah. just, you can't, it's Jimmy Butler syndrome. It's like, no matter where he is, no matter who you put him around, there's an issue. It's like all of yeah. a sudden it comes out now that he doesn't like Steve Nash. It's like, uh, uh, well, where were you when they made this hire? It's been months and now you're all of a sudden you don't like Steve Nash. 
Yeah, I mean, and that, like, you, going back to what you said, like, this is a guy that likes to move the ball, but look who his main assistant is, Mike D'Antoni. Right. Like, the whole offense is predicated on ball movement. And, you know, I, I really think this is going to be a train wreck because you're going to have KD, uh, uh, Kyrie, and James Harden all on the court just staring at each other, dribbling whenever one gets a rebound, you know? Yeah, and, it, it, the, you know, the first time that the game's on the line and and – you know, they inbound it to Harden and KD's wide open on the wing and Harden doesn't pass it to him and shoots it himself, double covered and misses. There's going to be an issue. Yeah, uh, because, you know, Kyrie and Harden are both going to say something. Uh, KD has never been that guy. Uh, he likes to do all his shit talking from ghost accounts on Twitter. Um, but, you know, what are you going to do? What are you well, going to do? Moving on to other parts of the NBA, several games have been canceled this week as the coronavirus continues to spread throughout the league. While the NBA was one of the first one, was the first one to call the season off last year, it seems the owners are determined to throw caution to the wind and play this season in home courts. Several teams have been forced to play with a minimum of eight players, and it's just uh-huh. been a bit ridiculous. Okay, so what have Heather and I been screaming since you know last February? Wear your fucking mask, people. Wear your fucking mask. Yes. Literally how we've ended the show, like, yeah. forever. Yeah, we literally... Last, almost 12 months. Yeah. Yes. Um, but at the end of the bubble, at the end of last season, right, the owners were, were happy that they got some TV money. And then they realized, whoa, uh, this shit's getting busted up evenly. Like, the, the, essentially, the NBA took the revenue and then cut it up equally among the teams that participated in the bubble, right? So all the governors, all the team governors came out and said, we don't want that. You know, even if we only got, even if we only can play in front of 2000 fans, you know, that's, we want our money. And then look what's happening. (laughs) You know, like you probably should have just took your happy asses back to Disney, the happiest place in the world. Okay. Like that's yeah, probably would it have worked with uh what is it, thirty two teams? Is it thirty or thirty two? I can never remember which leagues have what these days. It's thirty. Thirty. Uh, yeah. But you know, like it doesn't matter. Like that's only what uh what was it, Scott? Twenty four teams went down for the bubble. Yeah, it's only it's only six more teams. Yeah. And like they still There's, had room. There are enough hotels <laughs> yeah. in Disney to, to house all of them. And like, let's be real. The bubble, that shit was exciting at the end of last season. That's yeah. the most exciting the NBA's been in a long time. The the play was better. Scoring was up, but not in ridiculous ways. Like guys like Devin Booker and Damian Lillard and Donovan Mitchell, we got to see those guys just go off yeah. in the bubble. And it was it just felt cooler. And it, you didn't have a lot of issues with on the COVID side of things either. Like they did a really good job in the bubble of making sure that you know, any positive cases were kept away from people and that things were going status quo. Now it's just a free for all. You can't monitor what's going on in all these different cities across the world. You, everyone at each city's in a different zone as far as COVID's concerned. You have no idea. There's no way that anyone can regulate it. And so you're going to run into these issues. Put them back in the bubble. Tough shit if the, the teams and the governors don't want to lose out on the money. It's about the safety. Put them back in the bubble. Let them yeah. play. Let them entertain everyone else that's at home because that's what their job is, essentially. Yeah. I mean, and, and let's face it. You're going to get the TV money if they're on TV. Like, period. Yeah. Especially probably jack up the ad pricing a little bit. 
Yeah, and yeah. the games are more exciting. The ratings will go up when the games are more when it's not a one forty to ninety five blowout. Yeah, and the games are more competitive, like they were in the bubble. Money's gonna like the ratings are gonna go up. You're, you're, it's fine. Your TV money will be there. Yeah, and and the thing is, is we got to see players you normally wouldn't get to see. Exactly. You know, honestly, and and the NBA is built off stars. Like the NBA is probably the one league that revolves and actually markets the players. Uh, you know. And and that was probably my like, dude. How many times do I can see Devin Booker in a season? Right, like, like that, I, I, yeah, exactly. Zion Williamson, who not a lot of people got to. John Morant, you got to see in yeah. the bubble. You know, guys like that. That like you alluded to, Trey Young. Got you know, guys that you just don't get to see play that often. The young stars in this league, who are the people you're going to count on five years from now when LeBron retires, when KD's gone, when Steph's oh, yeah. gone. These are the guys that let them get the exposure now and let them play hard. So that five years from now, you don't run into this issue where no one knows who the hell the top players in the league are. Yeah, I mean, a bubble is good. And the NBA is a league that has a manageable roster size and uh, a, a manageable, like, playing surface. You know, like, why, why didn't you just go back to it? It worked. Yeah, it worked. And, you, and you've got a, a venue that can host that many games. Yeah, well, I mean, even if you, even if you split it up, like, say you did it at, at East and a West, right? Like, even if you did it that way. Uh, right. you know, or, or whatever, but you, you can still find locations that have multiple courts with multiple hotels with all that shit to work, you know, and then you could build in like times for players to go and like kind of take a break, go see their family. Like you could do that. Was was there a need to play 72 games this year? No, no, no there wasn't. No, yeah. no, there absolutely no. wasn't. You could have, you could have, <laughs> nice, Heather. You could have went and played 50 <laughs> and built in that, that like rest and family time into it, you know? Like, yeah. It's it just, you know, the, uh, I, Scott, I don't know if you listened to like uh, last couple episodes, like the governor of Ohio gave the okay to have 4,000 uh, people sit in queue, you know, in the Quick and Loans Arena. And it's like, yeah. bro, Cleveland, is not the place you want 4,000 people in an enclosed space right now. Like, that is not, you know, like, come on, dude. Well, since we're in Cleveland, uh, let's turn to Major League Baseball. Uh, and in what came as no surprise to fans of the Cleveland Baseball Club, the team sent star shortstop Francisco Lindor to the Mets in exchange for a couple of prospects and a shortstop tandem that has no hope of measuring up. No. Yeah, you uh, literally could have said in exchange for nothing. That that's yeah. essentially what Cleveland got in this deal. Bro, yeah. the, I, I did you see Spun Scott? They gave the tribe a B minus on the trade, and I'm like, how? I I don't yeah I I don't understand that. Like like Tim alluded to it. It first of all, the two headliners of the deal play the same position. Wh- mm-hmm. Why? What? Why? Why? What? That doesn't make any sense. I, okay. I think I think the Mets swung one of them out to second base for sure. most of the season last year. Yeah, but still, they're both still listed as shortstops in the Mets system. Uh, right. Jimenez, uh, who, okay, first off, the trade was Frankie Lindor, uh, one of the top shortstops in the league, and Carlos Carrasco, who, when not injured, is probably one of the top right-handed pitch- starting pitchers in the league, goes to the Mets and the Cleveland Baseball Club, it's Andres Jimenez, Ahmed Rosario, who are both shortstops, right-hand pitcher Josh Wolf, who is slated to be a reliever, and outfield, uh, outfielder Isaiah Green. Okay? Um, here, here's what really pisses me off, is Wolf and Green are the 9 and 10 prospects in the Mets system. We literally sent our best player to another organization 
and didn't even get a you know one of their top five prospects back. Yeah. Uh, right. We got two players that same that played the same position. One of which played last year. Okay. Uh, who hit two sixty eight with like one home run and three RBI. Yeah, right? they combined for like four hits between the two of them. Yeah, it, it, it's it's a complete and utter bullshit. Okay, and Scott, uh, I'm blocking you out for a second because this is my baseball team and I'm kind of angry. Uh, this team right now is valued, valued all right, at $1.15 billion with a B. $1.15 billion with a fucking B. Okay. He bought all right, Paul Dolan bought this team in 2000 for $323 million. Guess what the Indians' payroll is going to be, or excuse me, the Cleveland Baseball Club's payroll is going to be next year? 20 bucks and a pack of gum? Yeah, 22950000 Do you know where that ranks in Major League Baseball? Uh, dead last, and if I'm not mistaken, something like 7 or $9 million of that is just Jose Ramirez. Uh. No, Ramirez is actually doesn't even he's not even counting that much against the cap next year. Um, but we're we're almost fourteen million dollars lower than the next closest team. Okay. Baseball is is the league where you can still do the vanity purchase, where you can have you can have some money. And because you want to go to like a fancy rich people dinner party, you know, and say, I own a professional team. <laughs> and and Rather than you being like Kelly Leffler, who owns a WNBA team, and no disrespect to my WNBA players out there, but nobody gets excited about a WNBA team. But they will get excited about one of those teams in the Big Four. If you're rich and you don't want to invest in your team and you still want to make some money, you buy a baseball team. That's what you do. And that's what fucking Paul Dolan did. All right? That's exactly what he did. And now we are going – we we are – we you know, the Cleveland Baseball Club – has the second most wins in Major League Baseball since 2016. The second most behind the Dodgers. And we have the lowest payroll payroll in baseball going into next season. Yeah, for for Cleveland fans, Miles Garrett makes more money than the entire Cleveland uh, baseball team roster. Yeah, all right, Paul Dolan, go fuck yourself. And let, <laughs> let me see you on the streets of Cleveland. I'm going to literally plant my foot in your ass. Now, Scott, I think you're on the other side of this trade, aren't you? I mean, a little bit. New York is ecstatic, as they should be, right? Because this is the heist of the century. I, again, to give up essentially nothing. To give up yeah. four people that were never going to be a part of the Mets' future at all. Steve Cohen looks like an absolute genius, and it's great for the Mets. And it's honestly, living here, I can tell you, it's good to see because – the Mets are going to become the Yankees, and that's incredible. And we yeah. need that here because yeah. we're tired of the Yankees. Being I mean, here. I was going to say, Scott, isn't that that should be the more exciting part? Is that Cohn was like, dude, I'm spending money on this team after years of dealing with uh, the Wilpons, you know, yeah. who uh, got swindled and hoodwinked by Bernie Madoff. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It, it's it's exciting here, and the Mets aren't done. Right, like you yeah. get Carrasco and you get Lindor for essentially nothing, and they've got all this money to spend. There's some great free agents still out there that they've been in talks to. Former Cleveland player Trevor Bauer being one of them, yeah. and just a lot of different guys that they can again subsequently bring in that are now going to be more likely to play here. Like, oh, Frankie Lindor's here, Pete Alonso's here, some two of the you know more fun up and coming young yeah. great stars in this league are here. Marcus Stroman on the on the pitching side of things, like. 
they've had so much young talent there now, but not only that, just like big personalities and, and guys that you want to play with. It It is like the NBA in a sense where you have these marketable stars and these guys that actually want that other players are going to want to play with. So for free agency, they're going to be able to attract a lot of names that they just frankly couldn't in the past because it was like, well, if I want to go play in New York and get paid, I got to go to the Yankees. That That's always yeah. been what it is. And now there's going to be a little bit more of a power struggle here for free agency, and I think that's incredible. Yeah, dude, I, I wouldn't be surprised to see DJ LeMahieu end up in uh, you know the orange, white, and blue right. uh, Planet City. You know, like I, I wouldn't uh, because Cohn already came out and said, yeah, I'm, I'm getting close to a uh, luxury tax time. That's cool. Uh, you know, and that's, you know, he was just like, all right. Uh, you know, so, I mean, I, I, baseball is better when the Mets don't suck. Like, honestly, it is better when the Mets don't suck. Um, and it, it just I, I think it's horrible that the Wilpons were, you know, typical, gross, greedy, you know, <laughs> dickheads that were like, here, Bernie Madoff, take my money. And then rather than selling the Mets to somebody that could have like ushered you know, a couple bad years and then they're back to being competitive. Uh, no, the, the Wilpons just sat on it and they're like, well, this is the only source of income we have right now. So we're just going to suck and we're going to like collect the ticket money. You know, it's just bad. But yeah, enjoy Frankie. I'm going to be over here crying this year. Thanks for nothing, Scott. <laughs> Listen, I understand. I get it. And, and, and for Cleveland, this is more than just Lindor. This goes back to, you look at this roster just a few years ago, Lindor, yeah. Trevor Bauer, Mike Clevenger all traded in the last 18 months. And what have they gotten in return? The highest well, prospect they've gotten in any of those deals is ranked seventh in their organization. Yeah, and it's and a young shortstop. Oh, I'm sorry, shortstop? They didn't just get two of those from the Mets? We, yep. we need more of those. Yeah. I, what pisses me off most is, like, pitching, I'm not worried about moving because, like, nobody develops pitchers the way that, that you know, the Cleveland baseball sure. club does right now, right? But, like, we haven't had an outfielder that's hit above, like, 240 since, like, 2004, right? Come on, dude. Like, if that that's a point of need. If we're going to move Frankie, then let's get something like back, you know, like when they were talking about moving him to the Yankees, they were talking about sending Clint Frazier back. Dude, I was pumped. Dude, Frazier has been hosed by the Yankees, you know, like he needs to get the fuck out of New York and he's going to play good ball, you know, and it's just like now I'm stuck, like Scott said, with 48 short stops, uh, you know, one outfielder and 38 other pitchers. That's yeah. that's the farm system for the Indians. Yeah, I, I hope Tyler Naquin can still hit. Yeah. <laughs> well, the other, the other bit of Major League Baseball news, Cubs slugger Kyle Schwarber signed a one-year contract with the Washington Nationals this week. The deal's worth $10 million for the free agent outfielder. Yeah, how did, uh, first off, how did Kyle Schwarber garner a one-year deal for 10 mil? Um, and does his boyfriend, Joe Buck, know that he's leaving Chicago to go to D.C.? <laughs> because nobody nobody minded the shaft and cradled the stepchildren quite like Joe Buck did during the 2016 World Series uh, for Kyle Schwarber. Um, so, really, Joe Buck, you suck. And Kyle Schwarber, enjoy your $10 million for being a 240 hitter Missing fly balls in you know left field uh, when you should have stayed. What should have went to the AL and been a designated hitter at least. Yeah. Well, one quick bit of hockey news before we bring Heather back into the conversation. 
sorry. An ad for something that I'm looking at online came on and it scared me. So yeah, yeah, it's probably a good time. The the Boston Bruins have announced that they are finally retiring Willie O'Ree's number twenty two. Uh, the ceremony will take place on February eighteenth. O'Ree is the NHL's Jackie Robinson, breaking the league's color barrier on January eighteenth, nineteen fifty eight. Yes, and here's here's the kicker about this. O'Ree suited up on January 18th, 1950, right? Uh, he played 45 total games in the NHL. Two of those would be in 1958. 43 of those would be in 1961, okay? And he spent uh, the majority of his time playing in the minors. His last year of professional hockey was in 1979. So he played 21 years in mm. minor league hockey. Uh, but after he played in 1961... All right. I, <laughs> the, the, here's the awful part is that in 1961, that's when he last suited up in the NHL. The next African-American player to play in the NHL was a guy named Mike Marson, who played in 1974. Wow. OK, non-white players in the NHL make up less than five percent of active NHL rosters right now. Yeah. So this is probably a good thing. Uh, if you have a guy like Willie O'Ree, who honestly did the grinder, uh, you know, I played 21 years of minor league. Like he's, uh, you know, he's Kevin Costner's character from, uh, uh, you know, Bull Durham playing all those years in the minors, just waiting to get that call up, you know. Um, but, you know, then you have the added addition of him literally being the Jackie Robinson of the NHL. Like maybe this will get, you know, not I mean, honestly, non-white players excited. Uh, or maybe it, it will force NHL scouting departments to actually go to some non-traditional places, you know, outside of Canada, uh, the Scandinavian countries in the United States to look for some talent. Uh, because I'm sure there's some out there that we just haven't seen yet. Yeah. You know? Um, well, I'm glad to see him getting his kudos. Well, dude, he's like one of like, I think, less than 10 numbers to get retired by the Bruins. Okay. And can we, Yeah, I think they have right about 10 or 11. And can we also acknowledge this? Uh, The Boston Bruins were the first NHL hockey team to let a black dude get on the ice. Right. Yep. But they were the last major league baseball team to integrate. (laughs) Maybe they felt like, you know, they're like, well, we'll we'll be first in hockey one day. It's fine. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like, (laughs) I mean, it's just Boston's such a weird fucking place, man. That's all. You know, All right. Well, let's get this next bit over with Uh, the college football championship took place this week and Alabama dominated the Ohio State Buckeyes 52 to 24 to give Nick Saban his seventh championship, surpassing Paul uh, Bear Bryant for most by a coach. Yes. Yeah, uh, the game nope. looked like it might be close early on with the score being 21-17 with 5:30 left in the first half, but Alabama that, That's when I be... turned it on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Alabama proved to be too much for the Buckeyes scoring two quick touchdowns going into halftime and adding a field goal after the break to blow it wide open. Devontae Smith, Najee Harris, and Mac Jones put on a show with Smith catching three and uh, and Harris adding three on the ground. Smith was given the offensive player of the game in addition to his Heisman Trophy. Yeah. Can we just go ahead and acknowledge, uh, you know, Smith as doing all his damage in the first half before breaking a finger? Uh, Yeah. Like, yeah. Like he's, I guess he's okay. You know, he's all right. He's not bad. (laughs) Yeah. 
Yeah, no, we, um, yeah, because I'm I was sure at Heather's work. got some thoughts. Oh, yeah. Surprisingly, no, because once Bama started steamrolling, I, we, I was like, do you want to finish Cobra Kai? And so that's what we did. Because <laughs> I knew exactly how it was going to end. It ended exactly like how I thought it was going to. And it was so funny because in the chat, I was just like, listen, when I tell y'all, normally during games, it's just constant back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, especially between these two assholes. It was dead silent the okay, first entire off, game. Excuse me, miss. You talk quite a bit yourself. Thank you. Oh, not as nearly as much as you two. Oh, horseshit. Oh, well, for what that game was, for what that game was, y'all sure as shit should have been talking. So I don't know what you was doing at your house, Mac, and I don't know what you were doing at your house, Tim, but... I was crying. Okay, that's clearly, what I was yeah, doing. Clearly, because I, I even sent a message. I was like, y'all are real quiet in here. And this was like, what, not even like halftime. No, it was before yeah. halftime. And it was I, even, I mean, it was still like a, a little close-ish. Ish. It, was, it was close until about five and a half minutes left in the first half. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I'm going I'm so, going to say this. Um, Steve Sarkeesian called the game of his fucking life. Uh, the Buckeyes defense couldn't stop anything he did. Um, and you had players like Smith and Najee Harris. Uh, you know, even after Smith went out, look at what you know Mac Jones did. You know, that guy, that guy, you know, passed what Joe did, what Joe Burrow did in the championship game last year, you know, like, um, you know. Yeah, but you know what, though, I will say, like, I will give credit where credit is due. Like, like, y'all really had to fight for your season from beginning to the end. Like, you really did. Yeah. And so I think that, you know, I mean, I mean, Ryan Day, I mean. I can't knock the guy either. I mean, he coached, I mean, I mean, up until that game, he, yeah. you know, had done a pretty good coaching yeah. job. I'm gonna, so I'm going to tell you right now, Heather, though, honestly, nobody was beating Bama this year. Nobody. No. All right. Well, that, that team was loaded for bear um, at, you know, almost every position. And the thing is, is this isn't your typical Saban Bama team, right? Uh, you know, uh, Heavy on defense, you know, if the offense scores, that's cool. You know, we've seen this evolution of Bama the last few years where Saban's okay with throwing 50 points a game up and letting 20 now, you know, like he's okay with that. Um, but this team was just ridiculously talented, you know, that Bama team. Um, and, you know, after play, you know, the Ohio State defense, after playing literally the best game I've seen them play in probably the last like five or six years against Clemson, it's mm. going to be hard to replicate that against honestly the best de offense oh, in, yeah. in the fucking oh, country, yeah, yeah. you know. And yeah. and and you know we saw what happened. Um, now, see my what I'm waiting for, uh, and what I've already gotten a, a sprinkling of was Ohio State should have been there. Well, bitch, who should have been there? Who should have no, been? Because no, everybody no, I, everybody no, agreed no, that Clemson should be there, and we beat the no. brakes off Clemson. Yeah. Yeah, I no, no, I, I, I'm not on that train. Even for as much as I hate Ohio State, I'm not on that train. Yeah, well, you, I, well, think, you, I think I think y'all definitely did deserve to be there. You know who should sure. have been there? 
Hometown <laughs> crowd's own Coastal, Coastal Carolina. Oh, Carolina. Yes. <laughs> yes. Hey, there's still time. Run it back. Run it back. Bama Coastal. <laughs> yes. Yes. If no I'm other reason to Scott, put that Scott. in that game because at least somebody, at least they deserve to be boat raced by them. They yeah. earned that, right? Yeah, Scott, just you, you need to go ahead, uh, hop on the teal and black, uh, just like the rest of us is your number two team. Um, you know, and uh, it's going to be funny watching you in Albany because I, I, something tells me you might just do it, like get a coastal t shirt, run around in Albany, like screaming shots of clears, and everybody's like, dude, what the fuck are you doing? You know, <laughs> I love a good challenge. Don't, there don't, we go, don't, man. Don't tempt me. I'll do it. Uh, but but yeah. listen, though, I really, really wish I could have been a fly on the wall for the uh, for the temper tantrum that Dabo threw after oh. y'all beat him. Oh, man. Yeah. You no. know it was. Yeah. Epic. Oh, well, with that out of the way, let's oh, hold get. On. See, it wasn't so bad. God. Hold on, Tim, before you I go on. Easy, you guys. I don't know if you saw what a couple of people reported. The Eagles are now suddenly asking Ryan Day to interview for the head coaching job. Which is funny because I, I I thought the Jets would because I know they had a lot of interest before they hired Gase. Yeah. And they haven't, surprisingly. Yeah. But the Eagles also have, I don't know if you saw, the Eagles have about 25 feelers out for, like, yeah. for that coach right now. So I, the, they're just circling the wagons. But the thing is with Day, Day was the quarterback's coach a couple of years ago before he took the Ohio State job. Right. Uh, he was a quarterback's coach in Philly. So I mean, if he if he jumps on that, uh, I'm gonna cry a little bit um, yeah. because I'm not prepared for him to leave right now. And uh, I, I think the other funny thing is is Sean Khan, the owner of the Jaguars, is sitting here like this in his office right now. Like, come on, Urban, just pick up the phone, call me, and tell me you're taking this job. I think you know? that's all but a done deal. There's talk that he's already putting together a coaching staff. Yeah, but see that that's. The, the thing is, is, you can't, as an owner, you can't put stock into that. The guy has to take the job because if you're sitting there waiting on Urban Meyer to say, okay, yeah, I'm going to do it, but you're, he only does it a month from now, you know, like you could be missing out on other people. Like if you wait a month and he's like, no, I'm going to pass, I'm going to stay at Fox and, and do a really bad job of calling football, which Urban Meyer sucks in a studio. I'm sorry, he's awful, um, you know, and then he's going to end up doing the next like horrible like special teams coordinator as the Jaguars next head, head coach you know like um yeah, yeah you know I just uh, it, it I wouldn't be surprised to see honestly Scott I wouldn't be surprised uh, surprised to see Jeffrey Lurie like just open the fucking checkbook and like hey Ryan please come here please uh, I can't cut Carson Wentz because of all the dead money penalties I'll have on the salary cap I need you to coach him up yeah, I just don't know if Ryan Day wants that nightmare right now. That's such yeah. a dumpster fire there. It's not the year. If you're it's don't don't make the jump if you're right. Yeah. Not not now. Well, I mean, dude, let's face it, like Jacksonville, even with all the picks, that's a fucking dumpster fire too. You know? Yeah, like like if for me, like if it wasn't the Chargers calling of like of all the teams that are looking for a coach, mm-hmm. I'm, and I'm a college coach at and I have a great thing going, I'm I'm not entertaining it this year. Yeah. But let's face it, you it, all all four of us know that there is no more egotistical creature on the planet than a head football coach at the college ranks. Oh, so, God. Yeah. 
All right. Well, let's turn to the NFL where wildcard weekend is behind us with a couple of big surprises. Uh, the big story, the big story from the weekend is the Cleveland Browns upsetting the Pittsburgh Steelers with a 48 37 victory. Their first playoff win since 1995. Okay. Yeah, I, but this I, game, you didn't shut the fuck up at all. No. Any move they made, just something. I, Again, again, Tim, we have to get a soundboard so we can pop the air horns on that one, too, because right. that, that one deserved the air horns. The Browns capitalized on several mistakes by the Steelers, including a botched snap on the first play from scrimmage that was recovered by Cleveland in the end zone. Roethlisberger also threw four interceptions despite over 500 passing yards and four touchdowns. Yes. Uh, since I am the guy who, you know, I'm, I'm a paid writer, OK, to write about the Browns. Um, I'm going to tell you right now, I did a studs and duds article on Cleveland Browns or BrownsNation.com. If you're interested in reading anything I write, um, my, my first stud first half Cleveland defense, right? Pressure right. Ben made a lot of mistakes. Guess who my first dud was though. The first, the second half, second half Cleveland Browns defense, defense mm-hmm. who went into a soft single high safety zone and let Big Ben like throw for nine bajillion yards in the second half, um, but no, like the the Cleveland the Browns came out b- uh, big in the first half, uh, and honestly, that was fun to watch. That was so fun to watch uh, because you know you've got literally the worst eleven and zero football team in the NFL ever, uh, which was the Steelers this year. Um, like it was just straight trash. Uh, you know they, they people you know my my own mother is a Steelers fan. And she's going to give me shit when she listens to this, but oh well. Uh, but, you know, they, they didn't have a difficult schedule going into week, you know, that, that, that 11-0 start. And then after that, it got a little more difficult. They didn't do well. Um, but I think that Stefanski, uh, who should be the fucking coach of the year, I, I really believe that, uh, has changed the culture of that team and, and, and just ingrained this toughness. I mean, dude, like we were one offensive lineman going down for me getting called in to go play guard for the Browns. Okay. Like that's, that's where we were at. All right. And I'm yeah, five. Much, yeah. But how much vodka have you had at that point? Uh, Enough that he would have said yes. Well, first off, I did not drink at all on Sunday night. Oh, oh. Because I had two articles due that night and I do not write drunk. So, oh. uh, I, I, but literally, I, they have me on speed dial, and if they went down one more guard, I was getting the just call. Just one up. more. Just, you were yeah. right there. You right know, there. I, I was right. Right by your phone. I was you ready. You were going to miss the call. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, it's just like, and, and you got to think, the offensive line was always a point of weakness for the Browns for almost 20 years. Yep. And, and, and now they, they're one of the top units in the league. Yeah. Like, even down starters, they, they still have enough depth now. Like, you know, the Browns, they have problems on the defensive side of the ball. I think we all can agree on that, right? Like, they, there are... Look at the defensive backfield. You know, their top two picks last year didn't even get to play the season because of injury, right? Yeah. Uh, uh, Ward has been on and off the field because of injury. Okay. Now, I'm going to tell you right now if Andrew Barry doesn't draft some fucking linebackers in April, he's going to still have problems, right? Because uh, granted, Takitaki has stepped up, but he is not a starter. He is not a starter anywhere else in the league. Okay. BJ Goodson is not a starter anywhere else in the league. You know, uh, it, it's just like, dude, you've done such a good job in cultivating some depth, but let's get some starters out there now. Let, let, let's shoot for the moon, you know? Um, yeah. 
but the Browns, like even, you know, this was such a big win. That was the great thing. Like I'm from Northeast Ohio, you know, I'm from right outside of Cleveland going on Twitter and just watching Browns fans lose their shit. Like Cleveland popped (laughs) off fireworks, Scott, Scott, they had fireworks right over the goddamn stadium as they should, (laughs) as they should. I, I want to give credit where credit's due. Okay. Prior to Sunday, I'm gonna, and I'm going to do it cleverly. Prior to Sunday, the last time the Cleveland Browns won a playoff game, the number one song in the world was One Sweet Day by Mariah Carey and Boys to Men. Okay? okay. And what a sweet day it was because those boys <laughs> did become men because they put on their big boy pants and they beat the big, bad, scary Steelers, right? Like, how, how proud – I'm not even a Cleveland Browns fan and I'm proud. Like, yeah. How proud should you be? Baker Mayfield, right? Oh, he shouldn't have been the number one pick. Oh, well, he's he's just a knucklehead and, and all, all of this, right? And then you've got the adversity that they had to do it with as well, right? Like We did week- that without our head coach. Yeah, and the, and the week be- – right, without the head coach, the week before, you don't have Jarvis Landry. Like, he, you know, he didn't play the week before. You've got, you know, Nick Chubb, who's, what, five games removed from – he was injured, like – to, to have, you know, Joel Batonio's out, like like Mac alluded to, like the offensive yeah. lines in shambles, and to go out there, and not only to win, but to beat the fucking Steelers. Yeah. The steel like, th- that, honestly, give them the Super Bowl trophy, as far as I'm concerned, because it doesn't get much better than this for Cleveland. I, I, have, I have two thoughts. Um, one, at a certain point, I think it was closing in on halftime, the Browns were up 35 to 10. And I don't remember which one of the announcers said Browns fans are probably still feeling nervous. And I had never felt more attacked with the truth in my life. Well, I mean, the thing is, Tim, it's not even just Brown. It's like if you're a Cleveland fan of anything, you could have been you could have been a fan of the Cleveland Gladiators, the Arena Football League team that won the, the last championship before the AFL went tits up. Right. Like. You got nervous. It's just the Cleveland thing. You get nervous when we're doing well. It's just. Yeah. Honestly, I think Cleveland uh, didn't just put chemicals in the water to catch the Cuyahoga River and Lake Erie on fire. They put something in the water to make every Cleveland fan paranoid and nervous when we're Until up. that clock yeah. says zero, zero, zero. I think I saw a meme today that said uh, Cleveland Brown fans are still holding their breath, thinking the Steelers are going to come back. Um, the second thought that I have is I honestly couldn't tell you, I am a life heart, li- lifelong Cleveland fan. Everybody who listens to this show knows this. I grew up on the Cavs, the Browns, you know, the, the Indians, everything. <clears throat> Cleveland. Well, baseball club. okay. I grew up on the Indians. They are no. not the Indians anymore. Doesn't matter. We refer to them as the Cleveland um, baseball club. I, I loved the Cleveland Lumberjacks back oh, in the day. Oh, my God. I right. wish they were still a team. Yeah. So when I say that I am not sure whether Sunday or that fateful day in June of 2016 was the happiest day of my sports fan life, I'm not being sarcastic. Would you would you say that one sweet day? Is that what you would say? <laughs> I, I don't know which one made me happier. Tim, did you see the poll on Twitter about that? Like the happiest Cleveland sports day? No, um, I did not. The Cavs championship got 21%. Wow. 
the Browns playoff win got like 49. It was ridiculous. What were the other <laughs> options? Oh my god, dude, I can't even remember because I'm a little bit of vodka in, so. Oh, okay. Uh, but that's what I pulled away from, you know, that. But, like, it's it just, like, I, I mean, honestly, the NFL is better when the the old teams are, are good, right? Like, it really is. Like, like honestly, people can at me and, and scream at me all day long. I don't give a shit if the Texans are good or Jacksonville's good or the Panthers are good or or any of the relocated teams are good. I don't care. I really don't give a shit. Yeah. Okay. Your fandom is less than like 25 years old, so I don't care. You know, but when our legacy teams are good, all right. When our Packers are good, when the Bears are good, when the Bills are good, when the you know, uh, I, I'm not throwing out my favorite team because they've been good a while and we've had some success. So and right now they're not. Uh, yeah. Uh, give us two years. I think we'll be okay. Uh, yeah, I'm but, sure you will. But, you know, like, look, look at some of those legacy teams that have been down. The league is better when they are good because of those those built-in fan bases, you know, and, and, and the discord. You know, like, the NFL is only going to be better if the Browns are good. And because of the way the Browns are, excuse me, the way the NFL brought the Browns back in, the Browns had no shot of being good in the first 10 years of the league, you know, of, of them coming back in. Right. But... We saw our, you know, the uh, one of our future Hall of Famers, one, one of the Browns' future Hall of Famers, uh, you know, Ozzie Newsom, who's the GM of the fucking Ravens, and takes all the Browns' draft picks those first couple years uh, and builds a Super Bowl winner. Like, come on, dude. Ugh. Like, yeah. I, they're, they're honestly, I can honestly say this. There's not a team I hate more, okay? It's not the Jets, not the Bills, not the fucking Dolphins. The team I hate the most in the NFL is the fucking Baltimore Ravens. Bunch of fake-ass fans right, <laughs> who stole a team. Fuck yourself. And on top of that, Art Modell was in and on it. He's an evil person who should have been beaten with a sock full of quarters before he left Cleveland. Wow, you really are all in your absolutely negative feelings right now. Uh, not with you guys. Positive feelings to you guys, but uh, <laughs> right. elsewhere in the league, the Bills managed to hold off the Colts to scare, score their first win since '95. Josh Allen threw for two touchdowns and added a third on the ground. So the last time the Bills won a playoff game, the number one song. Oh, sorry. Um, <laughs> if, no, if I'm I, not mistaken, it was the same number one song. It was right? the same number one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> That that? Oh, you mean on that on that one sweet day? Is that what on you're that saying? One sweet w- day when those boys became men. <laughs> I, was <laughs> Scott, I, I was expecting you to like throw out the number one movie of the year rather than the song. So right, right. the number one box office movie at the time. Um, no, I, I I watched that entire Bills game. I it's funny. Tim asked me before I came on. He's like, "Who are your teams?" Because we like to cover them. And I, I I've never really been one to choose favorite teams um, because I, I've always just like individual players and there's too much movement and it's it's hard to really sink your teeth into one but the last four or five years or so i've, I've really latched on to the bills because for a long time they were the laughing stock here in new york right like the giants were beating only one team in the super bowl but they were winning some super bowls and yeah. you know the jets were, were pretty good you know for a while they especially in the like the early to mid 2000s and the bills were just this laughing stock of a of a team and of a franchise and 
it's just it's like the Browns. It's just really good to see when these teams finally come up. This yeah. works out because the number one movie at the time was Dumb and Dumber. <laughs> <laughs> so fitting. What a time to be so alive. Apropos. So apropos. Let's face, face it. Cleveland and Buffalo are like 13. Like it's like a, a rock skip and a jump away from each other. So that's, you know, that's kind of a, yeah. you know, yeah. it works. That's definitely. Um, it's that they're definitely Floyd and, and Lloyd. Just definitely. Yeah. yeah. Oh, Heather, here's the funny part, though. We get a lot of we get a lot of snow. So let's face it. We're all. <laughs> yes. Right. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, back to the bills. OK, back to the bills. OK, John, uh, Scott, I'm going to tell you right now, I'm going to I've eaten my crow quite a few times on this. But after Josh Allen's second year, I was like, this guy's athletic as fuck. Uh, he can run. Bitch better move to tight end. He's never going to be a fucking NFL quarterback. He's really worked on his mechanics. Hold on. I'm going to continue to eat my crow in front of you, the Bills fan. Um, he didn't just work on his mechanics. The guy uh, makes amazing reads. Um, he's perfect for not just the offense, but the city. Like, you, you've got this dude. I mean, granted, he went to Wyoming, so he's probably just happy to see more than 13 people in the stands to watch a game. Um, but, like... He's perfect. Like the, the, this dude has worked so hard and then look at what he's done in the last two years. Like, honestly, look at what he's done the last two years. Like this dude. Uh, and I'm saying this so I can eat my crow. I'm, I'm willingly saying I'm fucking wrong about Josh Allen. Uh, this dude has become one of the most accurate quarterbacks in the NFL. Uh, knows when to hold him, when to fold him, you know, like he's going to make the throw or run when he needs to. Like, it's just this guy. Uh, it, it might have taken him a little longer because he did go to Wyoming, but like this, I mean, he, he, he's like one of the top, like he's easily top 10 quarterback in the NFL right now. Um, and I'm glad to see Buffalo actually surrounded him with some real talent, Stefan Diggs, right? Um, I think Devin Singletary is still hit and miss. I still think that, um, honestly, if between you and I, I think we should have went with TJ Yeldon over Singletary because Singletary has kind of tapered off quite a bit the last few weeks. Um, but, you know, like th this team is set. It it's a very stout defense. It's a good offense. Like, like this is a team that's going to give anybody a run for their money at this point, you know? So this, this is the, the perfect example of what happens when you draft a young quarterback, you understand what you have and you do what you need to in order to unlock that potential. You build an offense around that quarterback. Dude, they don't have, like you mentioned Devin Singletary, their run game sucks. They don't have a great run game, but it's yeah. okay because the offense that they run and that they need to Josh Allen's the best running back that honestly that they have on yeah. that roster. You know? Well, and, I mean, Scott, let's face it, like, like uh, you know, Allen ran a little bit at Wyoming, but, like, dude, he's been busting runs when he's get up in Buffalo, right? The guy's just... You know? <laughs> yeah, and uh, like, you put the perfect pieces in place to go out and you make the move to get Stephon Diggs. You bring in the right coaches in McDermott and the right offensive coordinator in Brian Dable, who I'm, I think is going to be the next head coach of the Chargers when it happens. Remember, you heard it here first. But, you know, you go out and you get him a slot guy in Cole Beasley. Like, you, you put the pieces in place that you need to build the type of offense to match that defense. That defense has been a juggernaut for two, three yeah. seasons now and the problem was it was so lopsided that it, it, they didn't have the balance and now you have that balance and they look like honestly right now the biggest threat 
to the Chiefs in the AFC. It, it has to be the Bills right now after the way that they looked on Sunday. Hey, Scott, yeah. guess what? I agree with you. But, hey, Tim, continue, continue. Next game, All right. next well, game. Cleveland moves on to take on the Chiefs while Buffalo gets the Ravens, who shut down Derrick Henry to win 2013 over the Titans. Okay, okay, first off, I- I'm going to say this right now. I have no idea how Derrick Henry, who is on it on, arguably the best running back in the NFL. and you can't At this point, him. I don't even know if it's arguable. Yeah, but, like, how does he like have a shit game? He ran for 60 yards against the Browns and did absolute trash against the Ravens. Like what? Like, I just don't get it. Like what is the Titans offense that like, uh, like confused, you know, like it's not like they were ever out of the game against the Ravens, but like they really just stopped giving Henry the ball because after the first half, when he got stopped, they you know, they were like, okay, we'll throw, you know, and granted Tannehill's had a good season this year, but like where we seen Derrick Henry do is all his damage second half every fucking time. Right. How many games did that guy have? Like, you know, 15 carries for 20 yards going into the second half and then just blows it wide open. It, you know, it's just, it's nuts. Like I just, I don't get it. Uh, but then again, I'm never going to take anything away from Lamar Jackson. I thought he played like, he did very well and played his game on Sunday. So, you know, I, I, I can't really bitch about that. Yeah. Uh, over in the NFC, the New Orleans Saints beat the Chicago Bears yeah, in a bizarre did. game that was simulcast on Nickelodeon. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, uh, it was on Nickelodeon. I think simulcast- I watched it on Prime. The simulcast featured CGI slime in the end zone. And Saints coach Sean Payton was even yep. slimed after the game. Yep. But where, in which was. the Saints won 21 to 9. Yeah. Well, I just, you wouldn't have thought it because up until what? I think it was beginning of the, or maybe it was like midway through the third. I mean, forever it was 7 to 3, the longest. And I was just yeah. like, what the hell is going on here? Um, and so, but then they, you know, they finally started to, to, to gain some momentum and it helped him. But, but I mean, getting Thomas back was a big part of it since he's been out with an ankle injury. So that was a big, big part of it. So yeah, overall, I mean, like I said, the first like three quarters were, it's not a good time in the house, but um, yeah, but we pulled it out. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing with Thomas, like they need to get him spun up again because the uh, new Orleans offense only goes uh, as Michael Thomas does. You know, uh, no offense to, uh, you know, Kamara and Heather, you know, I love Kamara. I know. But, you know, they gave him the ball for that six touchdown game because nobody else could catch a fucking football for the Saints that game. Okay. Mm-hmm. Like, nope. you know, uh, it's just, uh, but then look at Chicago. Like, they're wasting one of the best defenses in the game. Yep. With this trash offense, yeah, like, you go out like you go out and get Khalil Mack for two first rounders a couple years ago, yeah, and it's JJ Watt all over again, right? Like you have an all world defensive player, and you can't do anything with him. Yeah, I mean, and David Montgomery's not a slouch, you know. Uh, 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 shit, I can't remember the wide receivers. I mean, Allen like, Robinson, Allen Robinson, yeah, Allen Robinson, yeah. Thank you, thank you, Scott. But like, they've got some skill players, but you've got Nick Folds and old. Mitchell, like, come on, dude. Like, we, we saw 
two years ago, Mitchell wasn't the fucking man. And let's face it, Nick is only good with for a three game span. And that's typically Yeah, and it has to be heading into the playoffs. Like it has to be. This is the exact opposite of, of the Bills. This is a team drafting a quarterback and not developing him properly and not putting the right type of offense and the right type of pieces in place. Like, you watch the Bears. I don't know who's coaching that team, but they don't. They just look like they don't know what they're doing on offense. And that's been the entire season. Scott, I'm just letting you know I am forwarding your uh, resume to the Bears for their OC position. So Honestly, like, yeah, I could call better plays. Like for Pee Wee football, that would be more successful. Yeah, than, yeah. Than dude, I'll tell you right football. now, you'll be the OC, I'll be the running backs coach. We'll drink heavily before the game. We're still going to call a better game than what they've done yeah. the last couple of years. So. Agreed. And, and honestly, like we might just run out there and you know and play quarterback as well because you know yeah. we might be able to do it. We'll just hand it off to Montgomery. We're, we're yeah. fine. I mean, dude, I will I will line up as the third string left guard. You can be the quarterback, and we'll make it happen. We will. All right, we'll we'll just do that. All right. I think we can score more than nine points. I'll say that. Yeah, we, we probably could. Honestly, the, the Browns. The rest are, of the, the divisional weekend featured the Tampa Bay Buccaneers holding off the Washington football team for a 31-23 win. Club. And the, oh, sorry, club. Yeah. Yes, we, Washington football club. Scott, uh, we, use the ter- we use the term club rather than team because team just sounds too shitty. So. <laughs> Uh, And then the big NFC surprise was Russell Wilson continuing to prove why he receives no MVP votes as the Seahawks fell to the L.A. Rams in a game that I got right on peer pressure. Yeah, which was. Yeah, you did. And um, yeah. And so what you had Goff was out for his injured thumb. And then he came back then. But and yeah, he came he was, back because Goff, because Goff was, the, Goff was the emergency quarterback that game. Yeah, he was the backup. Yeah, because Wolford gets the neck, gets a stinger, fifteen snaps into the game, and so uh, Goff had to come back. And they were like, he still threw like shit against yeah Seattle, but somehow they managed to pull it out. <laughs> yeah, I think that this is where I'm at with Seattle right now. Um, Pete Carroll has largely ignored the offensive line, largely ignored the offensive line, uh, for development and, and, and putting somebody in front of, uh, Russell Wilson to block, right? It really bit him in the ass this time, uh, because the first five games of the season where nobody's really practiced well, they don't know how to do like the COVID, uh, rhythm. Okay. I get Mm -hmm. it. Okay, but after week five, we're all in on it. Like every team's in on it. We we have it figured out. Okay, and we still see that Seattle's offensive line sucks. It's bad. Okay, and Russell is only good when he's got a great fucking uh, uh, you know running game behind him. If your offensive line just refuses to block, which has been like uh, Seattle's issue since they lost the fucking Super Bowl. Okay. You know, oh, you're bringing up old shit. Dang. Oh, oh, yes, ma'am. I am. Yes, ma'am. I am. <laughs> All right. Because those the, the five stiffs they put out in front of Russell Wilson, who is arguably top five quarterback. Right. You are wasting his time in the NFL by putting out, honestly, me, Tim, Scott and Heather with some guy named Bjorn, uh, you know, as the right tackle 
like we're all blocking for Russell at this point for the for the Seahawks. Like it's bad. It's not good. You know, like, dude, Pete, you're allowed to invest in top three draft picks for offensive linemen to keep your star quarterback up and keep your second, third, fourth round running backs, you know, blown out. He just doesn't fucking do it. He doesn't do it. You know, like, I'm sorry, Pete Carroll. Keep in mind, Pete, you were there before Bill. You are not Bill, dude. You are not Bill Mm -hmm. Belichick. You can't skip. You know, it's just like, uh, you know, you lost to a guy. All right. First off, like Heather said, you're a you're an XFL quarterback who or excuse me, Amer- uh, Alliance of America football quarterback, uh, mm-hmm. you know, who went down 15 snaps in and your starter who broke his thumb like nine days has before to, has to come back in, has to come back in, you know, and he wins like, dude. If I'm Pete Carroll, you know what I'm doing? I'm quitting and I'm drinking scotch heavily for about a month. Taking a year off, I'm going to go work at Fox with uh, Urban because neither of us can like call a good game from the studio. And then I'll get a job after that. You know, uh, That's what I'm doing. Well, what that does is it sets up a really interesting dynamic in the quarterbacks between the AFC and the NFC. All four AFC quarterbacks are under the age of 26, with Baker Mayfield being the senior quarterback in that Jesus group. Christ. This is my favorite stat ever, Tim. Go. Go. On the flip side, three of the NFC's remaining four quarterbacks are over the age of 38. Aaron Rodgers is 38. Uh, Drew Brees turns uh, 42, I think, on the day this episode drops. Tim Ashley. And Tom Drew Brady Brees. is 43. Drew Brees turns 106. How 106. dare you? First of all, how dare you? <laughs> but it, it's, it's really fascinating. It's really fascinating to look at the dynamic between the young quarterbacks in the AFC and the old quarterbacks in the NFC. And I just think that's a fascinating stat right there. It really is because the AFC has has had no choice but to invest heavily into the young quarterbacks. Yeah. But look at the NFC. Not so much. Like, especially when number 12 goes to Tampa. You know, you've you've got I mean, it's going to be funny. Because, uh, you know, the pendulum swings heavily, right, between AFC and NFC. We've got some really good AFC quarterbacks, you know, uh, mm-hmm. Scott Credit, uh, Josh Allen, uh, what, I, what, I, what I'll call is the, the cowboy ghost that he is, you know. <laughs> I mean, uh, you know, and, and you've got like Baker, like, and, and you know, we see our, you know, uh, articles about Tua. People are bitching about Tua already. Like, dude, he played like nine games last year. Give him a little grit, you know. Let's see it happen. Like, yeah. Yep. And yeah. I mean, and the AFC has Joe Burrow, who yeah. will be back eventually. Justin they've, Herbert. They've they've got yeah. a dude out in L.A. Yep. Yeah. Herbert. 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 Yep. Um, Deshaun there's Watson's a lot really of young, young talent behind center Deshaun, in the AFC. Deshaun, Deshaun Watson's like 25, 26, you know? Yep. Okay, first off, let's not put Deshaun Watson in any conference right now. Fair, I really fair. I really think that the Texans are going to be forced to trade him uh, because he's not. he is not a happy camper. He is not a happy camper. All right. 
Well, that wraps it up for the news portion. We're going to jump into our quick picks of the week. Uh, real quick. of the week! So Scott knows what's going on. We do about up to one minute to state your case as we pick each of, well, in most cases, it's the four closest games of the week. In this case, there's only four games. So we're going to pick all four. Quick update on the standings. Uh, hold on, Tim. Before you go into standings, Scott, you take your time. No matter what. All right, you take Listen, your time, I don't, friend. And I don't ever good. use the full minute. So seriously, yeah, yeah. Mike. But Scott, you know what? Uh, not only are you, uh, uh, you know, the returning champ uh, pod for hometown crowd, but you're the Buffalo fan. So you get as much as you want, my friend. That's Fair. what you get. All right. All right. So in third place, Mac went three and three last week. He stands at 57 and 55. Heather went four and two. She's in second at 65 and 67. And thanks to some peer pressure, I pulled a five and one record this week. And I am one game ahead of her at 66 and 46. Uh, the great so thing I'm is I, better than I didn't fantasy. Yeah. So there's. The great thing is I could just literally beat the shit out of you when I want to. Uh, <laughs> so let's start in where we're, we're going to do these in t uh, chronological order. We'll start with the Saturday afternoon game. The Los Angeles Rams at Green Bay Packers. Packers are a six and a half point favorite. Mac, who do you take in this game? Uh, I'm telling you right now, Packers all day. All right. This is probably the best Green Bay Packers team we've seen in a long time. Like overall. Like, this isn't an overly offensive-heavy team or an overly uh, heavy defensive team. Like, this is just a good Green Bay Packers team. Like, this is a good team. Um, and I, like, honestly, I think the Green Bay Packers are going to come out of the NFC as the NFC champs. So, uh, give me the Packers. All right. Heather. Um, I am also going uh, with the Packers, basically, for all of the reasons above that we talked about L.A. and there are quarterback issues, and I do know that Wolford did not practice on Tuesday. As of Tuesday, he did not practice. Um, Goff did, and he looked like shit. So <laughs> definitely going to go with Aaron Rodgers on this one. All right. Scott, who do you like in this one? Uh, so my hatred for Aaron Rodgers won't allow me to choose the Packers. Uh, <laughs> but I'm, I was going Rams either way. Uh, I think – that the pack we just saw what the Rams did to the Seahawks and that shitty offensive line. The Packers are down David Bakhtiari. Their left tackle was on the Colts last week. The guy that's going to be starting at left yeah. tackle for them. So I think that Aaron Donald and Leonard Floyd are just going to make that guy a human turnstile. They're going to get to Rodgers. I think Ramsey can neutralize Devontae Adams enough to where the Packers are going to have a tough time scoring. And I think the Rams will have success on the other side running the ball with Cam Akers. I think it'll be relatively low scoring, but I think the Rams will take it. Okay. All right. All right Scott. Uh, I see what you're trying to do here right now. I see what you're trying to do here. I respect you. I respect I, you. I'm going to go with the Packers on this one. I think there's just probably too much um, steadiness on that team, for lack of a better word. They're, they're a lot more cohesive. You know what you're getting with the Packers, and the Rams have too many wild cards right now and too many question marks. Uh you know, they, they upset the Seahawks. That was a surprise. I don't think they pull it out a second time. Uh, so I've got I've got the Packers in this one, which brings us to the AFC game for the Saturday night cap. Baltimore at Buffalo. Buffalo is a two and a half point favorite. And this time we're going to start with Heather. Oh, um, I 
I uh, am going to pick Buffalo because... Because um, you're a smart person. <laughs> well, hold on. Hold on. No, I, we were talking about this before you joined on. Yeah, we have been very pro-Buffalo for several I, weeks now. Scott, I, I'm, Scott, I'm the pass fan that picked Buffalo to win the East this year. So Yeah, so, yeah, we have been very pro-Buffalo. Um, and, and so, yeah, I just... Yeah, I, I, that's why. All I just, right. I, I like that for this one. Scott, do I even need to ask? Yeah, you should ask because <laughs> absolutely. I, who absolutely. do you like? He would like I, to defend his answer. I'm so excited, honestly, to watch this game. Like Josh Allen versus Lamar Jackson. I, I think it's just going to be an absolute showcase on both sides. I think this is going to be a close game. I don't see this one being a blowout like from one side. I think it's going to be really close. I think it's going to come down to field goals, honestly. Uh, but I am going to take the Bills. I just think I trust their defense at this stage in the season a little bit more than I do the Ravens. All right. At the risk of catching hate, if it goes to field goals, uh, I don't like Buffalo's chances historically. Um... <laughs> yeah, Fair. I get that. Yeah. Fair point. Mac, um, who's your pick? It, it, here's how I'm looking at it. Like, yeah, I, I agree with Scott on a lot of that. But, you know, Buffalo's running game isn't the best. But, you know what I trust is Buffalo's defense. Like, Buffalo has uh, linebackers that can sneak out and limit Lamar Jackson's, uh, you know, uh, rushes. Rather than him getting 10 yards, he's getting six. Okay. Um, Hey, you, you, you got Gus, you got uh, a Dobbins. Like, I get that. But, like, Buffalo's defense is, is good enough to stop the run and limit the pass. It's that good. All right. And then we have Josh Allen, who is literally, who makes uh, yards out of nothing. Like, this is a good quarterback. Josh Allen's a good fucking quarterback. Uh, you know, uh, so I'm going Buffalo on this. Like I, I'm, I'm, I'm all in on Buffalo right now. Like this, this team is very, uh, you know, the, the, the running game is not the best, but you know, the thing is, is like Josh Allen, the running is good enough to get Josh Allen to uh, play action and boot. Josh Allen's gonna fucking smoke you all day on those two things. Like honestly, he will. Um, so give me Buffalo all day long, twice on Sunday, and that hurts me as a Patriots fan to say that. Well, we have agreement across the board here. Um, I, I think, like Scott said, this is going to be probably the game of the weekend, um, arguably both of the nightcaps. But I think this is going to be one that really just shows the future of the NFL. And I think Buffalo is going to take this one. And I think it's going to be very close and very entertaining. Um, hey, listen, Josh Allen, the cowboy himself, will not let anything be close. <laughs> <laughs> Our Sunday afternoon game, my Cleveland Browns taking on the Kansas City Chiefs, who are a whopping 10-point favorite. Oh. Scott, you get to start this one off. I, I don't want to do it, guys, but I'm going to take the Chiefs. I just, they're well-rested. They're healthy. They've got, I mean, Cleveland's got that momentum and they're coming off that high. But like I said earlier, I think Cleveland, like they, I, I think it's okay if they lose. They won. This is their season. The Browns won the, the NFL this year, regardless of who ends up winning the Super Bowl. The Browns won the NFL. 
So I, I think now they get to go home, they get to be with their families, and they get to get ready for next year because I'm going to take the Chiefs. All right, and Mac. I'm taking the fucking Browns, man. Wow. Oh, I'm sorry. Did, you, did you need to hydrate before you made that pick? Hey, Heather. <laughs> Shut up. Can I? Can I just... any, any, any supporting right, arguments? Here's the, deal. here's the deal, right? Tyreek Hill is the only actual, uh, like, this is, this is the guy that the Browns need to focus on defensively, right? Um, like, we have to have somebody there. Um, now, Travis Kelsey is, like, on, honestly one of the best tight ends in the NFL. But the thing is, we you know, the Browns can put points up. We've shown that. The Browns can't put points up, right? And on top of that, Kansas City's defense is almost non-existent. Like, <laughs> Kansas City does not play defense, right? And you've got Nick Chubb, you've got Kareem Hunt, you can control the clock. And I'm telling you right now, Baker Mayfield is not the piece of shit that a lot of people like to, you know, that's good fuck quarterback, dude. Right? This is a guy that can help you control the clock, keep Patrick Mahomes off the field, keep the, you know, keep him off the field so he can't throw to Tyreek Hill. Like, yeah, I'm going Browns this one. I am fucking going full-fledged Cleveland Browns. Um, you know, because uh, the Chiefs, they, they don't play good defense. They really don't. So, All let's right. go. Hey, Mac with and the I, surprise pick for the oh, Browns. Wow. Heather, I don't think there's going to be any surprises coming from you. Nope. Because you know that I'm going to pick Kansas City for pop. Yep. As I have done all season. So. Absolutely. Uh, I'm, I'm, I always play the Homer card. I am taking the Browns in this one. I honestly don't think the Browns win, but I am picking them to win so that I can look brilliant. Oh, uh, God. If it there happens. Um, God. The, the hey. Browns are coming off a really big high right now. They, ha- they, they, are, they are in that moment where they're like, we can continue to prove ourselves. You know, they're, they're, this isn't a coming off a big win in the regular season where there's nothing like if you lose the next week, it's like, oh, OK, it's just the Browns. But in the playoffs, you continue to prove yourself. And Baker Mayfield plays his best football when he has something to prove. Do you know who also plays his best football when something's proved? Josh Allen and then Percy Scott, like literally elbow dropping assholes <laughs> on a fucking table. I see it. I see it. Let's Plus, do it. How much fun would an AFC match championship matchup between Josh Allen and Baker Mayfield be? I, oh my I, God. I, I want that game. So I'm going to take the Browns. No big surprise. Let's move on to the final game. The battle of the prehistoric dinosaurs. I swear to Tampa God. Bay I hate at New Orleans. The Saints are a three point favorite. We're going to start at the top with Mac. Hey, Heather. I, I, I'm, you've, you've already you made your pick. You made your pick at the beginning oh, of the episode, so we don't I, need to listen to him. Oh, no, no, you get to listen to me because <laughs> you're very rude to me. <laughs> hey, guys. Continue. Hey, guys, I'm going number 12. Oh, this is this is a sad day. I'm you going can't say 12. his name, but you're picking him. Yeah, I'm going number 12 because my one of my best friends, Heather, was very rude to me. <laughs> So. Jesus Christ. Toughen up, man. Oh, I'm toughen up? Oh. Heather? 
Um, well, clearly you guys know I'm going, now it's my turn to play the Homer card. And then I also really, really, really want to beat Tom Brady for the third time this season. Like, cause not many people get to do that. So I would really like to see his big stupid pouty face again. It's nice and big on my 70 inch TV. Um, so, yes, so clearly I'm going to pick New Orleans. However, I would not be surprised if Tampa Bay pulls it out because of them being beaten twice already. So, you know, they've got their number, yeah. but I'm going to pick I'm going to pick New Orleans. All right. And Scott, who's your last pick of the night? For the first time in 20 years, I'm actually rooting for Tom Brady to win a playoff game. And I think it's going to happen. I'm going with Tampa. I, I, oh, and three against the Saints in the season. That's, they, they have to avoid that at all costs, right? And I, I think that they're, they peaked at the right time the last couple weeks of the regular season. They've got some momentum. Like Brady's clicking with all the receivers. They all seem to be somewhat healthy, at least at this point. And we're talking yeah. Evans, Godwin, Antonio Brown, Gronk. Cameron Brait. I, I think there's too many weapons uh, right now, healthy weapons for New Orleans to cover. So I'm, I'm going with Tampa. All right. And I, too, am going with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. That's fine. Um, I'll be the lone one. Tom Brady has never been swept by a division rival. Uh, that happened this year. I think he's got a chip on his shoulder. Tampa Bay is playing solid football. Um, Drew Brees... I would take 43-year-old Tom Brady over 42-year-old Drew Brees any day of the week. Um, hey, go Josh Allen. And, 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 and <laughs> frankly, I'm going to give a spoiler for the next couple of weeks. I think the Bills win the AFC. I think the Buccaneers win the NFC. And I think the Bills have to win, get that Super Bowl by getting over the Tom Brady hump. Guys, you realize... That would be the most least watched Super Bowl of all time. <laughs> it may be, but there is there is a poetry there in that the Bills have to get over Tom Brady in order to win their Super Bowl. I mean, I'm going to still watch, but like two thirds of America's going to be like Buffalo and Tampa. Fuck that. Oh my god! They will like. They're, they're gonna think it's the Stanley Cup. <laughs> well, Eastern Conference Finals. Well, not only that, and then you're gonna have like the the weekend is the halftime show, and oh, he's gonna be exactly, like exactly, yeah. He's gonna be like, I signed up for this. Are you serious? <laughs> this is my well, well, that'll do it for this week's episode, Scott. Why don't you tell everyone where they can find you and your podcast? Absolutely. Uh, thanks again, also guys, for having me on. Uh, I am, like I said, one of the eight orchestrators of the Benchwarmers Sports Trivia Podcast. You can listen to us anywhere where you listen to a podcast. Uh, you can also follow us on Facebook. We have a group called The Bench for fans of the show. We're also on Instagram and Twitter at BenchwarmersTP. I also want to plug that we have a brand new merchandise store up on tpublic.com. So if you want to come over, grab a T-shirt or a hoodie or a mug with the Benchwarmers logo on it or several uh, inside joke reference uh, graphic pieces that we now have. I'm getting my own shirt soon also, by the way. So I'm really excited about that. Uh, please feel free to do so. We drop episodes uh, twice a week. Uh, every Sunday and every Tuesday or Wednesday. So that's pretty exciting. Side note, I have a uh, nostalgia cast that I do as well on my own called People Don't Forget. 
uh, where essentially I pick a different year and a different topic and I bring on a guest and we just go to town on it. So also available on Apple uh, and pretty much anywhere, Spotify, where you get your podcast. That's people don't forget. So if you like what you heard here and you want to hear this lovely voice some more, uh, go ahead and give it a listen. All right. Well, you can find us on all social media at Hometown Crowd on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Get in the conversation at our Facebook group, facebook.com slash groups slash Hometown Crowd Pod. You can subscribe anywhere you find your podcast. And if you're an Apple Podcast listener, drop us a review. You can find us on the 910 Comedy Podcast Network. Check out 910 Comedy on Facebook and check out our sister shows. That's just my face, marital tiffs, and dead girls talking. For Heather and Mac, I'm Tim. Thanks to Scott for joining us, and thanks for cheering with the hometown crowd. First off, go Bills. Wear your fucking mask, people. Yeah, wear your mask. Don't do that. <laughs> and... And don't use your beer money to buy scratchers. That's that's a, it's a terrible <laughs> idea. Have a good week. <laughs>